0: Well, God is good. Um, This morning, we continue on with our message series. And this morning, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to um, a pastor who's been such a blessing in my life and who's also a part of our church. But I love him and his wife and his family and his ministry has really impacted us. And so um, this morning, we continue on, I believe, part two. And can you help me welcome Pastor Velmer Masuecos? This man has preached in different continents and led churches all over. His stories inspire me so, so much. And so here's Pastor Velmer. Thank you. (coughs) Thank you so much, Pastor, for this honor of uh, addressing your congregation this morning. Um, I'm sorry, you know, (coughs) I belong to the former generation. So I I use a very bulky laptops. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Just fixing this. Uh, Thank you so much, Pastor, again, for giving me this privilege, you know, to uh, speak uh, this morning. Uh, I think I have not spoken in a church for quite a long time. And uh, good morning, church. Good morning. At the outset, Let me say that this church is quite so significant to me and to my family. (coughs) It was the first church here in Sacramento that extended its right hand of fellowship (coughs) when I left my former church, and it was Pastor Jack and Sister Brenda who gave my family some refuge and comfort. Thank you so much for that. If you can consider me as a brother, I have this one request Love your pastor. Amen. Amen. If there is a pastor who has a true shepherd's heart, I can see that in this couple. A shepherd is one who truly cares for the sheep. He is the one who lifts up the weak, cares for the wounded, and <coughs> gives value <coughs> to the rejected. I think that is one of the most important commodity that you have to look for in a pastor. <coughs> Oh, thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And I can see those things in Pastor Jack, so much so that I believe that he is God's gift to you. And I hope you will really treasure the gift that God gives. I think Pastor Jack is familiar with the way I preach. Because from time to time, I can see him checking on some of my videos on Facebook. You know when I preach, I preach unapologetically and directly from God's word. And that is one of the things that a lot of people don't like about me. You know when you preach in the way that Jesus and the apostles preached. It is not always comforting. You will hear a lot of rebuke, a lot of warnings and judgments, a lot of exhortations about repentance. I think we do not hear that messages so often. Humility, disciplines and corrections. That is what they preach. And of course, a lot of instructions about the truth. But in most cases, we know that truth hurts. But I thank Pastor Jack for taking that risk on me. Anyway, I believe Pastor Jack knows that when we just humble ourselves, and accept the truth of God's word, it will always bring healing. And, uh, the topic that Pastor wants me to share to you is about God is my healer. I think that is the third part, second part, a uh, second part <laughs> of Pastor's series on the subject of I believe, which focuses on the understanding of the power of faith in God. And the text of our topics this morning is found here in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, right? which says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I think we will not deal with this topic head on, but the principles that we can glean from the messages, from this message, can surely be applied to our topic. <clears throat> this topic is quite relevant to me, especially in my recent experience with COVID. Yes, I had conducted COVID the first week of January. I thought I can just go through it easily because my daughter... Easter. She had been found positive earlier, and she only had a little cough, and after three days, she was okay. So I thought I would have the same experience, but it was not so. I think I got the worst part of this illness. I have never been so sick in my life than this one, if there is one word that I can describe this COVID thing, to me it is demonic. It is demonic in the sense that it knows what to steal in order to inflict the most terrible feelings in your body. It is not like any other illnesses that it only attacks at least one organ in your body and the other organs that are related to it. But not with COVID. It knows what to steal so that life becomes unbearable. First, it steals away your strength and energy. That is what I felt. I was so weak. I was so weak that... I could even hardly pull my blanket up at night. Of course, my wife and my daughter cease to eat, that when I sleep, I am covered well. But later, when I need to cover myself again, I can hardly pull my blanket. I was so weak that pulling my blanket is so much work already to me aside from that little strength that my body has <coughs> it has also affected my lungs that my lungs could hardly even gather the oxygen that's why that's how i understand it from the air that i was breathing so the level of my oxygen was dropping so low and that is the thing that has alarmed my daughter easter Because according to her, I can just pass out and worse fall into a coma. And because my weak lungs are too weak, I can also hardly project my voice. (coughs) Saying one sentence, I will say it intermittently with breathing. Then I would say say something. It was terrible. <coughs> Even if I was so weak, I really did not want to go to the hospital. I know what. I don't want to go to the hospital because I know, what I will be losing, when I go to the hospital. I would lose my emotional support, that comes from a family. And I think this is also one of the things that this COVID thing is taking away from me because your loved ones could not come and they cannot be near you. So when I was at the hospital, mommy and Easter, we call her Babi, was continuously calling me But I was so weak that my fingers were trembling that I cannot hit the button of my phone and so missed the calls. You know when you are sick and is so weak, the confidence that you are surrounded with your loved ones gives so much encouragement. You know I really thank God for my family and of course I really love my family. They're all that I got. The other thing that this demonic attack steals from you is your comfort. Whenever I start to lie down, that is when my body starts to ache. Even when I go to the bathroom, I can hardly finish my business because my shoulders become so painful. I don't know why. It just becomes so painful that I am in heavy to rise up. Because this COVID thing knows what to steal to make you despair of life, that I really consider it as a spiritual attack. But one thing I have learned in this experience, that even if it is a spiritual attack, He wants to attack you, your spirit, but one thing I have learned, it cannot touch your spirit. He wants to attack, but he cannot touch the spirit. Yes, it can attack the body. It can inflict so much discomfort and pain in the body, but it cannot touch your spirit. Yes, I can say this. Because while I was suffering so much weakness and pain in my body, I felt so much strength in my spirit. I have never felt the sweetness of God's presence more than I, when I was going through this great ordeal. I never thought I would be finding some refreshing refuge in the midst Of a wilderness of this illness. Psalms 91, verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I tell you, there is a refuge in the wilderness of pain and death, and that place is cold. The secret place. All right. It is called a secret place. Not really because it is somewhere hiding or somewhere which cannot be seen. Rather it is secret because it is a place that the enemy cannot reach. And the enemy cannot touch you. So much so that while he can inflict our bodies with pain, our spirits, they can be feasting with the goodies that God has placed in our tables. Isn't it the table is telling us in Psalms 23.5? That the Lord is preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. This verse is not just some kind of comforting words. There is a real place in the spirit where you can find the abundance of God's peace, God's strength, and God's joy. That is why Satan's assaults is not something to be feared. You don't have to fear the attacks of the enemy. This truth is not only something that is so precious. This truth is something that is very needful, especially as we face the seriousness of our times that we are now living in. The things that we are experiencing right now, I know. This is just a preparation. This is just like a drill for something that is more serious ahead. This may not sound as a good news to a lot of us. But if that is what the scriptures are telling us, then we have to take heed. There are some serious things that are rising up in the offing. With that thought, I would like to take you to the book of Revelation. I think the book of Revelation is rightly named for it has so much revelation that is given here that is intended for the end time Christians. And I think these revelations are so important to be known and to be understood by those who will be affected by it. Revelations 1-3 is telling us, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps it for the time is at hand. When the time is at hand for these things to be fulfilled, you really have to know what is written in the book of Revelations. And you have really to keep that. No other book in scriptures has this annotation that was given by Jesus. This means that we could not overemphasize the importance of this book because this book will serve as our roadmap in the end times. Not knowing and not understanding, this book is just like a sailor in the midst of the sea without any compass or no GPS. It's like a soldier in the middle of the battlefield Who doesn't have a map and doesn't have a compass? You are lost. So this message, so in this message, please bear with me as I give you some pieces of history that has somewhat deviated our perspective so that we can really better understand this book of Revelations. Revelations. I want to be careful in stating this, that there is some kind of slight deviations. But these slight deviations can be very, very catastrophic if we are not careful with it. What I am referring here is about our teaching about the pre-tribulation rupture. That we believe that we will be ruptured before the tribulation. So much so that the prophecies of the book of Revelations, anyway we will be ruptured. So don't you worry about what is said in the book of Revelations. I have been born in the Assemblies of God family. I grew as an Assemblies of God. I was trained in the Assemblies of God. And I served as an Assemblies of God. Served God as an Assemblies of God. Talk about legacy. Talk about loyalty. I think I can be counted as one of them. However, I think we have been blindsided by some things that we have learned in the past that we cannot clearly see that we that will in disable us to see our future that if even there are things that are prophesied in the book of revelations that addresses the people of god we are not so much concerned about it because we were taught that those things are addressed to the Jews. I know there's teachings, you know. Don't worry about it. That refers to the Jews, you know. And not to Christians, because we will no longer be here. But what does the Bible say about this? Not what I think. What does the Bible say about this? The one who dealt with the second coming in his book, is Paul. Paul's teachings about the second coming is found in the book of Thessalonians, in the first and second epistles of Thessalonians. In the first epistles, Paul affirmed that really there is a second coming. That is what he affirmed in the first epistle to the, epistle to the Thessalonians. In the, epistle, in the second epistle, however, after some issues arose that truly Jesus would be coming, there was another problem that came up. We don't have the time, time to explain that. So Paul has to send them again another epistle second Thessalonians and in second Thessalonians Paul stressed in that epistle the timing of the second coming of Jesus so first in the first epistle he affirmed that Jesus will surely come he confirmed it and in the second epistle he mentioned the timing of of that coming. And this is what Paul is telling us in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. He said, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, in other words, because he's talking about the coming, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. In other words, there will be so much gliding when Jesus is about to come. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who is this man of sin and the son of perdition? Who is this man? You cannot answer, right? Because you do not believe that the Antichrist will come first before Jesus comes. He will be revealed first before Jesus can come. It will not come unless the man of sin, the son of perdition, is revealed first. According to Revelation chapter 13, if the Antichrist will have to be revealed first, and the Antichrist will be revealed during the tribulation, so, Jesus cannot come before the tribulation, right? According to Revelations chapter 13, it will be that during the tribulation period that the Antichrist will be rising up. That is what is said in, I think, in verse 2 or verse 1. You will see the beast rising up from the sea. And we know that the beast there is talking about the Antichrist. And the sea most often is talking about humanity. And when, and again, you know, so Paul believes that Jesus will come after, not before. Again, Matthew 24 verse 9 says, Jesus here is talking about the end times. And the end times that he talks about here stretches all the way to the tribulation period. Verse 9, Matthew 24, verse 9, said, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And to whom was Jesus giving this warning? he was giving was he giving it to the jews or was he giving it to his apostles <clears throat> yes the apostles were jews right but jesus did not commission his apostles to build up the jews Jesus commissioned the apostles to build his church. And who is this church? Christians, right? The Christians, they are the church, and they are not the Jews. Yes, Jesus commissioned them to build the church. So that warning is for the church, saying that we will be delivered to tribulation and that we will be killed and that we will be hated by all nations. All because, why? Why shall we be submitted? Why is it that they will kill us? And why is it that they will hate us? It says here, because of my name. Because of the name of Jesus. Because we are followers in Jesus. So it is both Jesus and Paul who is telling us that Jesus will not come before. The tribulation. John chapter 8, verse 17, is telling us that the testimony of two witnesses is true. In other words, truth can be established upon the witness of two testimonies. Of course, God will again deal, you know, with the Jews as a people and as a nation as prophesied by Paul in Romans 11 about the olive tree. Of course, God will be dealing again with them, with the Jews. Don't get me wrong. God loves the Jews and he will really be dealing again again with them. But that will occur not during the tribulation period. It will occur during the millennium. If You study the books of Isaiah and Zechariah. I would like to quote here Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, and said, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me, whom they have pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him for one who grieves for a firstborn. Yes, the Lord will surely restore Israel and make them the greatest nation here on earth, but only after Israel has repented as a people and as a nation. And when will this Israelites, when will Israelites as a people and as a nation repent? Do you think it will happen during the tribulation period? Never. In fact, you know, the truth of the matter is this. The Antichrist will use Israel and the temple in Israel to enter into it and declare that he is God. If I can just say a few more sentences about this. What is pre-atrieve rapture? This teaching did not come from the apostles. Check your Bibles. Meaning it is not a part of our apostolic foundation. It came from the futurist view of Francisco Rivera. And also from an ancient book entitled, The Coming of the Messiah in Glory and Majesty, written by Manuel Lacunza. Francisco Rivera and Manuel Lacunza, I'm sorry to say, they do not belong belong to the body of Christ. Both of them are Jesuit priests of the 17th century. Another name that you have to watch or you might be interested to know is the name of a certain John Nelson Darby who was so much enamored by these teachings that he systematized these several volumes of books into what he called the dispensational theology where it contains the doctrine of the pre-tribulation rupture. Then he brought these teachings to the U.S. Here in the U.S., he chose Moody printing press to print his materials. Moody printing press was the same printing press that was printing the materials of the Assemblies of God. Having used the same printing press, I think, you know, the age the people in the AG got interested with it, something nice, you know, very interesting. They got interested with it and thought that it was safe, so they adopted it as one of their doctrines. In fact, to tell you frankly, my dad, his specialty in Bible school is about dispensational theology. So I know something about this. Another personality that was important in the transfer of this strange doctrine was Schaefer Sperry Lewis, founder and first president of Dallas Theological Seminary. He also adopted this theology and taught it in his seminary. So this doctrine spread both to the Pentecostals and to the Evangelicals. But my question is, who among the apostles taught this doctrine? If you can find it in the Bible, you know, kindly apprise me, you know. Kindly let me know. And I will consider. And I will stand corrected. This doctrine is outside our apostolic foundations. Hence, it is something strange, and coming from people who are strangers. You can always do your own independent research, but I think we will be coming at the same conclusion because as they said, facts are stubborn. They just don't go away easily. You can always do your, (coughs) as I said, your own independent and (coughs) that's very, very important to know why. Because if we do not know what the Bible really is teaching us, especially the book of Revelations, we can easily be lost in these end times. That is very, very important. Important for our souls. I think I have stated earlier why I am clarifying these thick things. And the reason for that is that so that we will surely know and understand the book of revelations <clears throat> if you compare and, and and if we are lost you know in the in the troubles and in the confusion of the tribulation period or of the end times <clears throat> you can compare that you know to the wise and the foolish virgins of matthew 25 those who do not Proper understand this book, those who do not properly understand this book will be like the foolish virgins who have no light, and when they go out at the midnight hour, because the bridegroom will be coming at the midnight hour, and when they go out at the midnight hour, they know, they do not know where to go. Why? Because they don't have any light. That means that they will be walking in darkness and because they have no light, they cannot follow the bridegroom. There was one preacher who said that the Lord will not send us to hell with slight differences in our doctrines, especially with the doctrines of the end times or eschatology. Yes, that could be true. But wrong understanding could lead us to the wrong path. So that when the foolish virgins were pleading, because they were walking the wrong path, they walked in the wrong path, when they were pleading, you know, knocking at the door, and asking to be allowed to enter in, they were rejected. Because Jesus said that they were workers of iniquity. Walking in the the wrong path, Jesus can consider that as workers of iniquity. No one who works on the wrong path could end up in the right place. That is why it is essential to know the truth and keep the truth in these end times. Otherwise, we we will get lost. As it is said by Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, that darkness will cover the earth and great darkness the people. With that thought, let me take you to Revelations chapter 12. I go through all of that so that we will have to understand at least this verse. (laughs) Revelations chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. It said, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Dragon there talks about Satan, right? And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven anymore, any longer. So the great dragon was cast out to the old servant called devil, S- devil and Satan. Who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast with him. Let us jump to verse 12. Wherefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, and because he knows that his time is short. This passage is telling us that one day Satan will be driven out from his headquarters in the heavenless or in the air. And that he will be cast down to the earth. That means that Satan, when he was cast out of heaven in the throne room of God, he did not go directly to hell. He built his headquarters, he built his kingdom in the air. That is why Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, is telling us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Let us go to verse 12. The Word is telling us that when Satan comes to earth, he will be filled with what? Great wrath and fury. He will be very, very angry that he was cast down to earth. And he is very angry because he knows that when he is cast down to earth, his time is very, very short. Yeah. And to whom do you think will Satan ventilate his wrath and his fury? Go to verse 13 of Revelations. Chapter twelve. That is telling us that when Satan will be cast down to earth, he will persecute the woman who gave birth to the male child. And who is this woman? As we explained it at length earlier. (coughs) That whenever God speaks about his people, he speaks in the end times, he speaks about his about the church. So this refers, this woman refers to the church. This woman refers to Christians. At the first chapters of Revelations, you know, Jesus, uh, the Lord has a beautiful way sometimes, you know, of uh, expressing his thoughts. The first four chapters of Revelations, Christians there was called Church, right? Church. Because we are called, right now we are called church. Why? Because this is the time of grace. So we are called the church. But, as we know, this time of grace is about to close, right? And when the grace of God is about to close, the Lord will call call the church, the Christians, the church. He will call the Christians the woman. The woman of Revelations, chapter 12. And from that time on, the woman will pass through what? This tribulation period. The time of judgment. The time of grace has ended. The time of judgment has come. And as soon as the time of judgment Is about to end. The Lord will call. The woman. What? Matthew 25. The virgins. The bridegroom will come to take the virgins. When. The time of judgment is about to end. Then. The Lord calls. The woman. The virgins. Okay. And after. <clears throat> when Jesus is about to come already. He will call. The Christians. No longer. The virgins. He will call them again. The bride. In Revelations chapter 19. So he calls them the church. During a time of grace. He calls them the woman. During a time of judgment. He calls them the uh, uh, virgins. And then, oh, oh I, I, I think I am messed up. First he calls them the church, then he calls them the virgins, then he calls them the woman, and then he calls them the, uh, the bride. <clears throat> so we are told in Revelations chapter 12 that this woman who will be undergoing, you know, the time of the, of, of the purification, purifying judgment, that the woman will suffer the wrath and the fury of Satan when he is cast down from the air or when he is cast down to the earth. So the question I would like to, to, to bring to you this morning is this. When he is cast down to earth, And he will ventilate his fury against the woman. Are we prepared for that? Are we prepared for that? Are we preparing ourselves or are we preparing ourselves to escape? Are we preparing ourselves to go through the darkness of the midnight hour? Or are we planning or are we preparing to escape it? As I said, if we have wrong expectations about the future, then we will always have the wrong preparations. I don't know if we are the generation that will go through the tribulation period. That is what I do not know. Whether we will now be the generation that will be sent to the tribulation. I I do not know that. Or maybe it could be the next generation I hope it will be the next generation and not our generation. But just in case it is our generation, the question is, are we ready? Shall we be able to stand strong and weather away the challenges with our faith? Basing it to what is happening today, I honestly know I just don't, honestly, I really do not know whether we can stand it or not. I cannot tell. You know why? Because if hardly Christians today can stand against the onslaught of the enemy, where he is not yet so angry with us, how much more when he comes down? with so much anger and fury against the people of God. If we cannot stand, if we cannot stand against the small needle of this vaccine, how can we stand against the sword of the mark of the beast? Jeremiah 5:12 is telling us, "If you have run with footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses?" I tell you, in the natural or in the physical, we could never contend with Satan in his spiritual. Spiritual forces can only be confronted with spiritual resources. That is why we need to prepare. To prepare for that time so that the spiritual resources that God wants to give us will be available in order that we can be strong to stand and to overcome what the enemy will be doing to us. In my last spar with COVID, everything just came so suddenly. So suddenly. Suddenly I was sick, and suddenly it became so serious. I was so weak, as I said, that I could hardly do anything. Nevertheless, in the midst of those weaknesses, suddenly also I felt a sudden strength of strength in my spirit. I don't know where it came from. Suddenly, I was just filled with praises. Suddenly, I was just filled with the sweetness of God's presence. That wow. sometimes tears would just fall from my eyes. And my mouth will just be filled with laughter, even in the midst of pain. Yeah. What I want to say is that when things begin to unfold, they come so suddenly that those who are prepared, they will suddenly be ready to face it. Yeah. You will just, there is just no, no that sudden power that enters you. That you will be able to stand against every arrow and wiles of the enemy. Matthew chapter 14 verse 17 says, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything from the house. That means that when it comes, you do not even have any time to go down anymore. No more time. If it comes and you are the the housetop, you will be there. Wherever you are, that will be your status. Whatever, wherever, or whatever state we are in, in that we are in, that will be our standing before the bridegroom. There is no more time to do and or to undo our status. If each of us today, will just take an honest evaluation of ourselves, we will right away know. If we just take an honest evaluation of ourselves, you yourself take an evaluation of yourself. You will really know whether you are ready or not. Just like the 10 virgins, the wise knew that they were ready, for their lamps were filled with oil. The foolish virgins also knew when they heard it, when they heard a cry that the bridegroom is coming, they knew that they were not ready. Why? because they do not have any oil. Their lamps were empty. Each of us present here today knows our status because we know, we surely know in our heart what are filling our lives. We know whether we are filled with the Spirit of God, with the oil of God, or we are filled with the things of this world and the spirit of this world. We know it. And whatever your status is, when the bridegroom comes, then I would like to say, that will be your judgment. Good for those who are ready because suddenly they can rise up amen yes. suddenly they will shine by their own not by their own effort or resources for the strength and the light that will come that will come to us will not come from our resources but from the oil that is in you but from the things of God that is in you have you filled just Yourself with the things of God and with the Spirit of God. When the time comes, the things that God has placed in you will shine. They will shine. Just like what happened to me when I was sick. I did not know why I suddenly enjoyed the sweetness of God's presence. They just come so suddenly. I did not know where it came from. It was just there. There. And the presence and the joy of the Lord. They just come so spontaneously. You don't have to ask, even ask for it. They are just there. I did not ask, Lord, strengthen me, my spirit, no. I just felt that the strength in me was there. That is why we do not have to fear. We do not have to fear. What Satan will do to us when he comes to us with fury and great anger. Because the light that will shine through us, I tell you, will be very, very much stronger than the darkness that will be surrounding us. Just like what happened to Jesus here in Matthew 4, verse 16. It says here. The people who sat, sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the regions of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Let me uh, jump to verse 23 to 24. And Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and diseases among the people. Then his face fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him, all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics. So we are told here that while Jesus was here on earth, he was the light of the world, right? So much so that those who sat in darkness had seen a great light. And wherever Jesus went, wherever Jesus went, because he was that light, Darkness flees away. Sicknesses goes out, goes away, right? Torments, demon possession, epileptics, paralytics, they were all healed and delivered wherever Jesus went because he is the light of the world. So much so that the fame of Jesus Was spread all throughout Syria. Syria, he refers to the whole region of the Middle East. That was how great the fame of Jesus was. His light was so bright that it filled the whole region of the Middle East. I just don't know. I just don't know. When these things come and we need to shine, how great will be our light, right? I don't, I don't believe each one of us will have the same light, no. There will be those who have greater lights and those who will have lesser lights. Of course, we cannot equal the darkness or, or the, the brightness of Jesus. But one thing I know, those who are ready will shine. Amen? We will shine and our light will bring healing, will bring deliverance to everyone who is sick, to everyone who is oppressed, and to everyone who is needy. The blessings of the light that will be in us will not only bring healing to our bodies, it will even affect those around us. This is the kind of healing that God wants and is preparing for us, His church. Amen? Healing of our whole being, spirit, soul, and body, not only for us, but for everyone who can be reached by the shining of our light. Yes, talk about darkness and the gravity of Satan's attack in the coming days. That is true. But what I want to tell the people of God is that our future is not bleak. Future of Christians is not dark. Because we will be shining with God's love during that time. And the Bible is telling us that love is the greatest of all. There is nothing more greater than the love of God. Yes, this is what the Lord wants us to be. For our love to be greater than our fears so that we will not become victims, but we will become overcomers. To rise up and judge the world and to cast out Satan from the world. And because we are the end-time warriors, we will bring to close the battle between light and darkness, between good and evil, and to finish the race in victory. Yes, this is what we will do as the host of saints in heaven are watching over us, watching our every move and cheering us to go on forward. And they are waiting at the finishing line, ready to crown the victors. Are we preparing ourselves to be on the company of those victors. God bless.